you can do anything because you have Lambda. And this year is a special edition because it's a 10th anniversary. For 10 years we've been organizing Lambda Days in Krakow in Poland to spread the word about functional languages. We wanted to create a space where we can bring some of these females together, um, create like a, a platform where they feel like they can be really open and outspoken, like without judgment. Um, so they share tools and ideas. Well, if you have any interest in functional programming, it's a Lisp. So it's a Lisp processing language that is used in production systems. So it's the roots are like Scheme or Racket, if you've done that. And then I went back, and do you know what had happened? Some of the people that I was talking to, the junior people that I was talking to, had become the bosses. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a very unusual tech transfer strategy. Welcome to ADSP, the podcast, episode 134, recorded on June 6, 2023. My name is Connor, and on today's episode, we interview speakers and organizers live from Lambda Days 2023 that took place in Krakow, Poland. On today's episode, we interview Barbara Trojeka, Becca Williams, Jordan Miller, and Simon Peyton Jones. This is part two of our two-part Live from Lambda Days series. All right, well, we're here with Barbara conference organizer of Lambda Days 2023. Tell us, how's the conference been going? Why is this year special? And why should people be interested in coming to Lambda Days in the future? Hi. Um, the conference is going really well. It's the second day. Uh, the first one was very interesting because for the first time we have uh, panel discussions a little bit more open to the audience uh, and they went really good. Uh, today is mainly the day of talks um, and I hope it's going to go similarly well. And this year is a special edition because it's a 10th anniversary for 10 years we've been organizing Lambda Days in Krakow in Poland um, to spread the word about functional languages uh, to the European community mainly, but of course we have guests from all around the world. Um, yeah. And why should why should folks, you know, if the people listening to this podcast, you know, haven't been to any conferences or maybe they've been to some but they haven't been to Lambda Days, why should they why should they come and check out Lambda Days in, in Krakow, Poland? I think Lambda Days is a little bit different than if you, for example, if you code in Erlang, Elixir, Scala, you probably will go to uh, CodeBeam Conference, ElixirConf, or Scalac, or something like that to learn about your own language. But uh, Lambda is a little bit different because you learn about other languages, but also functional languages, so you can get the, take that knowledge and see if you can implement that into your language or your work or whatever your project you're working on. Uh, and also, on top of that, Lambda Days... Uh, works really closely with researchers uh, so we have research talks uh, from you know all, all different universities um, so the ideas clash because you know researchers have their own crazy ideas and then uh, people who actually work on those things come to them and, see, and say well this, how would this work and how would that work so yeah it's like a clash of ideas so it's very interesting awesome talks yeah that's why you should come to Lambda Days it is pretty awesome that we had the CEO of Epic Games, Tim Sweeney, giving a keynote alongside Simon Peyton Jones, who hopefully we'll be able to interview later. We haven't we haven't found him yet, uh, but super awesome that someone clearly from industry, you know, Epic Games, massive multi-billion-dollar company, giving a keynote alongside Simon Peyton Jones, who, if you don't know, is one of the main fathers of Haskell, 
pretty awesome to see that. I've got two questions from previous people that we've interviewed earlier today. The first one's from Toby. We had one after party this year at Lambda Days 2023. Toby said that there's going to be two next year. Can you confirm or deny whether that is the case? I cannot confirm nor deny because we'll see. We'll see. We can't deny. So (laughs) Toby might be telling the truth. The second question is when we talked to Jose Valim, creator of the Elixir language, we, we were asked to ask you, maybe it was, you know, I might have I might have been the person. What's what's Lambda Day's favorite language? You know, do you have a do you have a favorite language, you know, of, of the languages that are talked about at this conference? Can you choose one live on the pod? And Jose Valim asked that question. <laughs> I mean, was it Jose? Was it me? Nobody knows. Uh, nobody knows. <laughs> I don't think I can answer that question live, no. <laughs> but you you do have a favorite, or can you confirm or deny that much at least? No, I don't, because I'm not a programmer, so I don't have a favorite language. And I think like every community that's a functional programming community is very inclusive. People are very open, very casual. That's why I love to work here, because, yeah, they're great. They're great. They love the food, and, you know, they love the parties. So what else can I expect? I should say, we were, we were talking to Kim earlier, who was uh, eating the panna cotta. She gave it a four to five stars. She loved it. And we said that the vegan cake... Probably sounded vegan, but I had it, and let me tell you, it was actually quite delicious. I, I might have had two slices. <laughs> That's good. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can find vegan, vegetarian food here, or yeah, we can accommodate you, whatever dietary requirements you have. And uh, if people want to follow Lambda Days or yourself on socials, what's the best place to do that? Um, we have Twitter, Instagram. On Twitter, we are at Lambda Days. Yes, just at Lambda Days. Uh, that's that's our handle. Um, LinkedIn as well. Um, yeah, for now, those those three channels I think will be best. Awesome. We will link all that stuff in the show notes if folks are interested. Thank you so much for being interviewed and also for all the work and the team of people around you. I know it's not just a one-person show that you've all the work you put into organizing this conference. It's been awesome so far. Yeah, thank you for coming and speaking and doing the lightning talks. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. All right. We're almost at the end of Lambda Days 2023, day two. We're here with Becca Williams, who gave the last lightning talk of six lightning talks this morning. And she was talking about an organization that I had never heard of before attending this conference, Functional Female. So first, I'll let you give a brief introduction of yourself and then maybe tell us about the organization and uh, what people should know about it. So um, I've been in recruitment for a couple of years now and it's always been within functional programming. Uh, The last um, two months or so, myself and my colleague Olivia have set up a community called Functional Females. Um, I think with us being within recruitment, we know um, the talent pool, we've seen the talent pool, we we look at it every single day within our jobs when we're hiring, whether it's in Elixir or Scala or Rust, we, we see the talent pool and for us we go through 40, 50 male developers and then we come across one female developer and then so on, so on. So we wanted to create a space where we can bring some of these females together, um, create like a, a platform where they feel like they can be really open and outspoken, like without judgment. Um, so they share tools and ideas. It's, it is predominantly a Slack community, but we've also held like um, virtual meetups and we plan to have uh, in-person meetups later on in the year um, but yeah we they share tools they share ideas like for us as recruiters we give them a lot of advice on like tackling the job market as well as what the job market looks 
like and it's also great for us because a lot of the companies that we work with they speak to us about the challenges and struggles they have when it comes to hiring a diverse team and also um, retaining a diverse team so we can speak to these women about these challenges within the company and it's a more of a safe space for them so that we can speak to other companies and hopefully tackle the, the challenges, start from the inside out. And when we get new roles on our desk, the, for our first point of call now, well, my first point of call is always functional females. Like, let's speak to these women. Let's see if the, this is the right role for them. Uh, let's speak to the talent pool that I found of women in functional programming. And then go to the males because everyone, like you can speak to a hundred developers here like these male developers they still get reached out to to by recruiters three four times a day probably so to me it's not like it's unjust it's like just giving females a bit more of an um like a a chance than what they may have received like throughout their career really so it, this sounds absolutely like an awesome initiative. And uh, for when talking to Kim earlier, she mentioned, I'm not sure if it was while we were recording or while we were not recording, that this just launched two months ago. And so are you mostly based in Europe right now? Because I know Kim said she's based out of the Netherlands, and I think she said she was the Scala lead. And it, so is it is it like one lead per sort of functional language? Could you give like a little bit more details of if people are listening to this? Because I think... We have listeners all over the globe, some in North America, some in Europe. Like, what can people expect like, if they're looking for meetups or looking to get involved? So we want um, everyone to join. There's no expectation on anyone. Like they can use it for the littlest thing that they need, whether they are in the job market and they're interested in the like interview tips or they want to just connect with other females within functional programming. But we are at the moment just across Europe, although it has been two months since launching, we're at around uh, sort of 80, 90 developer, female developers at the moment. Um, I think it's Europe right now just because we've always, like that's where we've built our network for the last couple of years. Um, and like we know a lot of developers within this space and when it comes to later on in the year with our growth plans and doing a meetup it'll be a lot easier to have it in one sort of space but we've got I think around 24 different countries now so yeah it's definitely spread across Europe and 100% the plan will be to like open it up widen it up across like the US and stuff but it's just um, where our resources are at the moment we're focusing on Europe and then we're working to expand from there that sounds so awesome 24 countries in two months is pr- that's massive growth very quickly so the the question i have to ask is i am primarily a c developer you said you have like a rust is there is there space for the non i mean like a c has some functional stuff but it's definitely not known as a functional languages or a functional language so is there languages you're focusing on or is is there like certain i, I know rust scala have been mentioned like what are the main languages you're focusing on and, and is there hope for C++? So, um, yeah, I know, like, I've been told so many times in my career that Rust isn't actually a functional programming language. So I think we, I think that's just where, that's an area that we've always worked in as well. But at the moment, we've got channels for um, Scala, uh, Elixir, Erlang, Rust, um, Haskell, Clojure. But, yeah, there's always, like, room for more. Like, we want to encourage women within, like, technology like we want to have a space where more women are wanting to head into technology and hopefully into functional programming but yeah like there's there's always space for more like languages like we just want people to feel open to like come to us and say like yeah like the, I'm working in C++ like I'm really interested in like the functional programming like um like paradigms and, and yeah I'd love to be able to 
hopefully host a space for them as well. Awesome. So if there's if there's folks that are listening across the globe and they're thinking, I know Python and I love functional programming and I want to get involved some way, what's the where's the place to go or the thing to do, you know, the next step, if you will? So come to me, come to uh, Becca Williams on, on um, LinkedIn, also Olivia Smith. But um, yeah, at the moment, we are trying to get to as many sort of conferences as much as possible just to spread, uh, spread awareness. But we um, do have a functional uh, females LinkedIn. But yeah, we're just um, taking email, like doing bog standard way, taking some emails, adding them to um, our Slack channel. And then and we're growing just by word of mouth as well, which has been fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for being on the pod. And uh, we'll make sure that we link to your Twitter, Olivia's Twitter, the Functional Females, LinkedIn, and any other links that you want me to link. So if folks are interested, they can get involved. No worries. Thank you so much. I got caught making a beeline for the espresso machine. I got caught making a beeline for the espresso machine. Are you recording? Of course you are. <laughs> We're recording. You need, to, you need to tell people when you start. Re- I told everybody else, but I figured it would just be perfect if I just turned. You, you were mid-story. You were mid-story. I walk in, I'm making a beeline for the espresso machine because of, it's the morning, right? It's morning right now. And <laughs> on my way over, I said, hey, do you have five minutes to one video? And I'm like, can I have a coffee first? And But then I was holding, I was, I was trying to hold my coffee to get that out of the shot. <laughs> so I had to like gulp and then I had to look directly in the eye. As I was like, no, the, vide- the videographer had ever the shot set up. And I'm like, I cannot just stare. I cannot think and stare somebody in the eye at the same time. Who does that? This is very inconsiderate. Not letting you hold your coffee. Declaring that you make eye contact I directly know. with the camera. I can't make eye No, not with the camera. I would be able to look at the camera. Well, who'd you, oh, you, you had to make contact with the videographer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, with the videographer. <laughs> Much like I'm making eye contact with you. Nobody can nobody can see right now, but we're locked, locked in, in deep eye contact right now. <laughs> Folks, we are talking to the I was about to say the man, the myth, the legend. What's the I, I, what's the I, female I, I, equivalent to the The man, the myth, the legend. The, I think that, that, that crosses <laughs> that, that that crosses the the, the the gender threshold, I guess. Um, but we're we're here with Jordan Miller, host of everybody's favorite slightly out of commission podcast Lost in Lamb does I'm coming back I'm coming back I'm coming back you inspired me last night I mean we because it's it's such it's such you think it's not like um, there is a big ability for feedback mechanism especially since Twitter imploded I don't even know where to how to like publicize that I do new releases anymore like I I mean Twitter Twitter still is there uh, it's still a thing uh, is it though I mean I haven't switched to Mastodon but that's just because I have too many Twitter accounts and the overhead of having to switch each of them like my personal one my podcast one I have one Twitter I'm just waiting to see for the dust to settle because if maybe Twitter will come back Come back. It's still, it's still, are, are you on Macedon or you just, you? No, no, I'm waiting. I'm waiting to see what everybody chooses because I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm out of social media, like new, you know, I recently, I denied Snapchat forever too, but my family recently got me on Snapchat and actually even making my first Twitter was like, I'm done. I, I wanted to stop at like Instagram, but here we are 2023 with 2023 accounts to manage if you if you start making podcast episodes again i will i will plug the releases on <laughs> on both of my personal and my this podcast 
You've been busy though. And so, first of all, for folks for folks that don't know Jordan, she's got a, she's got a pod, part of the closure community. Actually, I'll let you introduce yourself first. But I first stumbled across Jordan Miller when she was a guest. I don't know which episode. It was probably episode 147, plus or minus a few, in January of 2022. Why do I know the exact date? Is because on that this is Cognicast, and uh, we we first heard her name then, and then we went and listened to all 17 episodes of Lost and Lambda's one of the most refreshing podcasts on the market. It's focused on sort of functional programming and stuff. Anyways, fantastic podcast. If you like programming podcasts, you like functional programming, this one is completely different. She interviews the people behind the GitHub names and the Twitter names. Anyways, that's my that's how I came across. Love the podcast. Great to meet you in person. Introduce yourself, though, everything that I, I, I missed and sort of tell us about why people should listen to the pod, and also you're working on some exciting projects. Tell us about those as well. Oh, okay. Time to plug myself. All right. I got this. I got this. Um, so, hi. I'm Jordan. Uh, I do Clojure in Clojure Script. Um, I should be more prepared with, like, you know, entry entry things. Uh, let's see. My podcast, I think you summed it up very well, that I like, I, I really want to bring the humanity back to tech, because I think all too often we have all of these uh, virtual layers in between us and it's easy to forget that we're all just human and like regardless of you know there's there's even even in like sociology I guess if you look at it we have all these layers of like culture and let you know all, all these in, in real person layers but I think even then at the core the, the, the basic human condition <laughs> is the same and uh you know, if I can like cut through some of the layers, then that's then that's uh, very um, motivating for me. Because then, I mean, somebody makes an a, a amazing library, and uh, they don't make they don't merge your PR because it's open source. It's it, it can be very easy to get like upset because you you know we knew we know this like keyboard um, behind a keyboard. It's easy to forget people are human. But if you listen to a podcast and you know the person, then it's easier to work with one another and easier to connect. So I should, I, I all right, I will get the podcast back. We should do an opening, a, a season debut episode. How's that? What, who's we? Us? Yeah. All right. Look at, look at this. <laughs> podcast cross-pollination. We, we, can, we can either do two separate episodes and then post them individually or we can just do like a single episode ah. and uh, post them on our respective mob, mob uh, I've done a couple of mob casts I think they're the most fun mob cast mob cast never heard that term yeah I think uh, when did we think of it it was with uh, Ray and VJ with Defen oh yeah yeah but then they also um, yeah they invited their guest was Michelle and then we invited our friend Paula and it was just a mob cast like I don't even know what and it was on my podcast their pot it was uh, I don't know it's it's again the connection woo um, but I guess I should say why I haven't uh, released episodes is I have a couple other projects going on so um, we've been I, I co-founded originally it was called the Clownsel we have rebranded <laughs> to uh, it's called Closure Camp and uh, my co-organizers with that are Daniel Higginbotham uh, you might know him from uh, the famous famous book Closure for the Brave and True and um, and then our other friend uh, Paula Guron, and uh, our other friend Raf Ditwald, and um, and yeah, we see that there is a problem that um, 
The Clojure community has a lot of really great senior engineers. And so it can be challenging for a company to justify hiring a more junior engineer. But that is a problem because we need fresh blood in, in, in the industry. And uh, when you think about, if they're all senior engineers, and a lot of people find Clojure 10, 15, 20 years into their career, who were the programmers 15, 20 years ago? Um, a lot of the same, a lot of people that share a lot of the same identity attributes. One might say. <laughs> One might say, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so part of our mission is also to prioritize the experience of people that are underrepresented in tech and then get their diversity of experience on our closure teams because, you know, we're solving really hard problems and you know what makes solving hard problems better? Diversity. In experience, yeah, okay. and like not 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 <laughs> not diversity for the sake of diversity, because that is important. But also, even just selfishly, I can recognize that to solve hard problems requires like creative and abstract thinking, and diversity and experience, like hive mind, yeah. never works. Like that's the. I mean, inexperience is a form of diversity. Yeah, and that is something um, I relate to. Um, like I don't have I, I you know. Something, uh, when I gave my talk yesterday was the first time I was ever in a lecture hall because I didn't go to university. So I had never, ever been in a lecture hall in real life. Now you skipped the, skip the university phase, straight to giving lectures phase. I, yeah, I guess so, I guess so. I was, um, I was doing important other things. I was effing around and I was finding out and boy did I find out found out so much the hard school the school of hard life I don't know there's an expression in there I'm forgetting um, I'd help you out but I don't know the expression <laughs> um, and yeah I've been doing lots of conferences that's been really fun um, so clo yeah closure camp is one of the projects we're getting off the ground. And uh, our hypothesis is that if we foster facilitation in the community, that we can uh, help solve this problem of hiring junior en engineers. So if we you know, make connections with business leaders and ask what skills would um, help you hire a junior engineer, um, because I understand, we understand why, because to hire a junior engineer is a risk. And if you don't know how big that risk is, how long they're going to take to onboard, how long then, you know, it, does, it doesn't make sense logically. And so if we can mitigate that risk by saying, what would you like them to know? And building a curricula. And then fostering the community of attracting, um, like, teachers or mentors. And, and then students and facilitating the meetups. More like a match, almost like a matchmaking service, but not in a cohort time-based way. In a... Um, like self-led through the curriculum way. Um, and it also solves another problem in that being a mentor or a teacher can be thankless work. It can be, um, it's like burnout city. Anyone that's ever really tried, and you try because you're passionate about sharing what you love. And then it's just so tiring. It's just so tiring to always be creating and giving and giving and giving. And you like to see your students succeed. But, um, you know, there, if, sometimes it can feel like their successes are, you know, their successes are rightfully their successes, but their failures are your failures. Mm. And, uh, 
So that's, that's one of the projects <laughs> that's been taking a lot of my time. Um, and then I'm also co-authoring a book <laughs> um, that we should really, we're about halfway through, we should do more on. Um, I'm co-authoring it with Alex Miller, who's a Closure Core contributor, and uh, I don't know, I wonder if the listeners need an Alex explanation. Some of the listeners don't, but most of the listeners do, because, uh, I don't know, maybe probably 20%, 50% of our listeners have heard of Closure, but that's probably it. Oh, well, you should really try Closure. <laughs> <laughs> Pitch Closure if you want, yeah. Um... Well, if you have any interest in functional programming, it's a Lisp. So it's a Lisp processing language that is used in production systems. So it's the roots are like Scheme or Racket, if you've done that. But a lot of it, it's very uh, data-oriented. And get this, no breaking changes. We don't believe in breaking changes. No, that doesn't sound right. No, seriously. Like that when, so sometimes you'll see our like libraries, and you can tell when someone comes from another language because they'll check out like for a dependency, like oh, what's this? Oh, no commit in a year. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no no no, it's just complete. Like it's just done. It still works. Works as intended. Done meaning not abandoned, but just done. yeah yeah. It's just it's <laughs> it is complete. There's nothing else. It like achieves the objective it set out to do, and that's it. But, like, things don't go stale because there's no breaking changes. <laughs> um, so that's the closure pitch. Um, you're, work, you're working on a book, too. Working on a book. Oh, yeah, 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 the book. Oh. So um, it's called Closure Brain Teasers. And um, it's similar. It's with uh, pragmatic programmers, Pragprog. And uh, it is 30 different uh, teasers that are... The, the, the intention isn't to be like, oh, gotcha. It's, I mean, maybe with the other books, because there's, there's, there was Python brain teasers and Rust brain teasers, but with um, Closure brain teasers, Alex has been part of the Closure in Slack, just answering questions for like a decade now. So the same questions get, and like, because it's a very intentionally designed language, again, with no breaking changes, everything kind of works for like a reason, like even though it may not feel right. The, it, there's a reason. So the the idea of the Brain Teasers book is to, you know, uh, highlight those decisions that where the language isn't trying to trick you. <laughs> it's, uh, so yeah, so that's the book. Oh, are there any other? I th- we, we can start to wind down because we, it, it, the listener can tell it's gotten a little bit quiet in the background and that's because the, the, the next, I'm not holding the mic. This is, this is Jordan with the mic. Um, uh, next set of talks have, uh, have started and uh, that means uh, Jose Valim is talking so we're oh. missing his live book talk oh. but, but it's okay. We can wrap up here and say uh, if folks, and also I should say, closure, one of my, I think top five programming languages, my plrank.com uh, is written in closure script. The, uh, thread first macro and thread last macro is just absolutely beautiful. One of the most elegant features. Rich Hickey, uh, fantastic. We love it. Maybe we'll do. We'll, we'll talk about closure more when we do our uh, you know relaunching of uh, Lost and Lambdas. If people want to follow you though, you just kind of active on Twitter. What's the, what's the best way for people to follow you? Just go s- subscribe to your pod and it'll kick off at some point. What you know? How do people follow Jordan Miller? Yes, I have not deprecated my Twitter. I just don't get on it very often. 
Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because I know we just had this conversation. <laughs> I should do one of the hacky masters. One of the things I should um, LinkedIn. Oh God, <laughs> hit me up on LinkedIn. I guess no, I don't even know. I guess Twitter. Twitter is people are gonna hit you up on LinkedIn now. So. <laughs> oh God, yo, hit me up on eHarmony. Like, <laughs> no, no, don't, don't, do not do that. <laughs> just to be clear, in. Only hit me up on LinkedIn if you know me. Hmm. I guess Twitter. Oh, darn it. Okay. Twitter. Twi- Twitter it is. Thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Go subscribe to Lost and Lambda's Fantastic Pod. Oh, that's what I should have said. Thank you so much. All right. We are here at literally r- the conference just wrapped, Lambda yeah. Days 2023. And as promised, we, we managed to track him down right as the conference is ending. Simon Peyton Jones gave the opening keynote of day two this morning with uh, the CEO of Epic Games, Tim Sweeney. I guess first we'll ask, I mean, I mean, for folks that potentially don't know who you are, but we'll assume they do, maybe give a brief introduction and uh, tell us what you thought of the conference uh, seeing as it just ended. Mm. So I'm Simon Peyton Jones. I've, I, I now work for Epic Games. I used to work for Microsoft Research. Really, I'm, I'm an academic computer scientist, but I'm fortunate enough to work for companies who pay me to do almost whatever I like. It's amazing. I really have a good job. Um, currently, I work on. Um, I've spent my whole research career working on programming languages, functional programming languages in particular, and at the moment, this language Verse, as well as continuing quite a lot of time spending on Haskell still. Um, I'm also quite involved in thinking about what young people should learn about computing in their school education and working quite hard to reform what computing education looks like in the UK. Yeah, I will. I'll link. There's a couple podcasts. I mean, you've been on a bunch of podcasts. This won't be a full blown, you know, this will be just a short five minute or so interview. But I recall, I can't remember if it was the Haskell Exchange, but you've done a couple podcasts where you uh, focused purely on sort of like education reform in the UK. Yeah. It's nice to see that happening in parts of the world, but hopefully, you know, other countries and governments can take take a cue from that because I think it, you would probably agree that's important. Yeah, I think so. So it's. Uh, I think the UK is for the for the first time shifted from thinking of computing as a kind of vocational skill you need to be able to use computers, to thinking of computing as a foundational piece of knowledge alongside natural science and mathematics, which all children should learn, not, not primarily because they're going to get jobs in it, but primarily so that they can be equipped as citizens to be sort of empowered citizens to know something about the technology they're using so they can make well-informed choices about it. Yeah. It's a very big shift of perspective. I will, I'll definitely find that podcast because I, I know you've talked at length about it and it is an interesting topic that, yeah, yeah. definitely, uh, hopefully other countries will take, take a cue from the UK. Uh, we're, we're two minutes into this. Let's um, maybe give us a small, because I think the keynotes actually, I overheard uh, the regular talks are going to take a few months to roll out, but the keynotes, I think they're going to try and get online within the next couple of weeks. Um, so Wait. give people a, a, an overview of this very exciting, I guess it wasn't announced at this conference. It's been sort of out in the wild for at least a few months now. Uh, tell people why they should be excited about Verse and the metaverse and, uh, and you know, what's happening at Epic Games in this area. Um, so Verse is really the brainchild of Tim Sweeney, who is the founder and chief executive officer of Epic Games. He, re- he personally wrote the Unreal Engine, which is the game engine that is um, Epic's key piece of intellectual property and is used for all sorts of things, not just games, um, in virtual reality and architecture design and manufacturing design and is a sort of key building block of um, what we hope will become the metaverse. Uh, so... Uh, versus the programming language is also Tim's brainchild, and he's um, uh, so and he's been thinking about designing a new language for about twenty years. Uh, my job 
um, along with Leonard Augustin and several others, is to reverse engineer verse out of his head and uh, make it apprehensible in form that engineers can build it and people can, can use it. So it's a functional logic programming language, which is a fairly, um, you know, functional logic programming is a niche within functional programming. So we aim to take that, that small niche of a highly expressive programming language and kick it into the mainstream. That's quite an exciting thing to do. It's a very radical you know, rethink of what programming should look like. It's not just another retread of Python by any means. Yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll link the, the keynote when, when it comes out. And I think actually there's already a couple of videos on Verse that we can, we can find on the internet. Is this, I, you know, it's open source, which is awesome that a company that's investing in a new language, like out the get-go is, is, is doing that. Is this something people can go and play with right now? Yes, there's a, there's a shipping version of Verse right at the moment. It's a kind of tiny fraction of the language that I showed today in the keynote that we showed today. Um, but it's also bigger in other ways. So the shipping language has, um, is much more conventional in its, um, in its framework, and it has a, a fairly conventional type system, but with subtyping, and has classes and inheritance and that kind of stuff. But the advantage is you can download and use it today to program um, the Unreal Engine in the Fortnite environment. But the idea is that that language will grow and become more capable and more like this Maxverse language, the one I described today. Um, so the, 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 this, this shipverse will grow into Maxverse, if you like. Super exciting. Like I said, we'll link, we'll link the keynote when it's out in the show notes. Any final thoughts? I mean, I guess I have to, while I have you here, I'm a, f- a huge, the listeners of the podcast know I'm a huge Excel fan. At one point, I had three different versions of Excel. I still miss the color palette from Excel 2003. And uh, you were instrumental in adding Lambda, one of probably the most exciting features that's been added to Excel in like the last two decades. Uh, Any, anything, so. you want to, anything you want to share about the, the work that went into making that happen? Yeah, so it's... it's uh I think Lambda is the most exciting feature that's been in Excel for the last uh, two or three decades. When I joined Microsoft in 1998, I thought, what is a functional programmer to do in a behemoth like Microsoft? So I thought, well, Microsoft already has the world's most widely used functional programming language. It's called Excel. It's just that nobody thinks of it as a functional language. So if we did think of it in that way, look at it through that lens, and made it a decent functional language, why? That would make functional programming the most widely used um, language in the world. And what I hope is that by, as it were, blowing the glass ceiling off the top of Excel will take all of those people who feel comfortable there and, and give them room to grow and to become, well, they will nearly become functional programmers. That's quite exciting. Um, so I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, upward scope there. Now, now that the, the glass ceiling is being broken, I think we'll see a lot of further development. I think you know, we'll have, we've already got arrays as first-class values, then we need arrays as values of cells, arrays nested within arrays. I've been advocating for this for a long time, but it does take a long time for a big, mature product like Excel to absorb a radical idea like that. It took two decades of, uh, of lobbying. In fact, there is a funny story associated with this, which is that I spent the first, I suppose, the first six or so years I was working for Microsoft. I would go to Redmond every year and talk to the developers, and they would say, yes, Simon, this is great. We're so going to do it. And then, <laughs> then they'd phone me up later and say, oh, actually, we've got to put it, you know, we've got to put all our effort into moving from 32-bit to 64-bit machines. So, <laughs> so we've, we've, we've cut it from this version. <laughs> So then I got discouraged and I went away for about 10 years and did other things. And then I went back and do you know what had happened? Some of the people that I was talking to, the junior people that I was talking to, had become the bosses. <laughs> so it was a very unusual tech transfer strategy. First of all, you make your converts. <laughs> then you wait for them to be promoted. And then you come back and they say, oh, we should do this. And this time, because they were the bosses. <laughs> if the senior people won't listen, talk to the junior folks and then just wait a decade just until wait. they're... Exactly, just wait. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was the strategy, as it turned out. I didn't plan it that way. And it worked. And we will we'll link. There's a, a talk I know you've given. I can't remember what conference where you sort of introduced the, you know, the feature of Lambda in Excel. And I think also, was his name Jack Williams? Or was the individual that uh, gave a talk here at Lambda Days? Um, not just showing uh, Lambda in Excel, but also like generative AI, LLM features being incorporated. It's, it was all pretty... Uh, you were in that talk as well, right? No, uh, no I, actually, I, just, I was just arriving when he was finishing the talk. It was very okay. sad. Um, but uh, your listener should have a go at downloading Excel Labs, it's called, which is a kind of Microsoft-supported plugin for Excel that takes uh, this Lambda idea a lot further. And it was written by Jack, written and implemented by Jack. And the idea is you can write a spreadsheet, which has a lot of cells interconnected, and then you can press a button, and it'll take the, the contents of that spreadsheet and turn it into a single Lambda. That's pretty amazing because now it takes the form of textual source code that you can edit and keep in, be, keep in GitHub and, and reuse more critically, reuse. So you can take that spreadsheet and effectively call it hundreds of times on different data. So that was the original vision of functions in Excel was worksheets as functions. Right? You nominate the input cells, you nominate the output cell. That's your function definition. Jack's implemented that finally. Excel Labs, give it a try. Excel Labs, link in the show notes. I think also, also they mentioned, was it uh, AFE Advanced function editor or something that they're working that's, on that's, that's part of the same thing i think is, is, a, is a, this whole this whole plugin does it gives you a function editor in which you can write both tech both textually and i think in in the excel formula language um in a little palette on the side you can write lambdas with you know lets and layout and comments and so forth i think um, yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty wild. The, the the next editor after VS Code that Microsoft is going to release is going to be inside Excel potentially. No, but it is VS Code, I think. Oh, it is VS Code. It is VS Code. Yeah, oh, yeah. The actual because you don't want to re-implement all of that stuff. Yeah, so I think Jack, Jack just hash included VS Code there. But you're not just impl- you're not just typing into an enormously long formula in that little formula bar. You're doing a, you're having a proper VS Code editor. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. Now substantial lambdas do well anything because now Excel has just become too incomplete. <laughs> you can do anything because you have lambda. Are you, are you sure you still don't work for, for Microsoft? I guess that many years uh, you're, you're promoting the products. Uh. I'm deeply enthusiastic. I mean, Excel just has that market. Mm. And I think the fact that it now, I think the Excel team now have absorbed into their DNA the idea of Excel as a programming language that they want to grow and, and develop. They, they can you could do call Python from Excel as well. I just think that it could open the door to end users becoming programmers. And that is that's nothing to do with a single company, but it's quite a seismic thing to do that can you know can it can multiply the audience of people who would never think of themselves as programmers but are now writing significant pieces of code it could you know there are 10 or 100 times as many of them as there are of us and so we should respect them and love them and i'm really pleased that microsoft is sort of moving excel in this direction i hope they continue to do so i'll try and find the number but i think i saw some graph where it was an estimated number of programmers per language and you know they they went from you know number five or number 10 up to number one and then they covered most of the top ones python java c plus plus and i was like what is number one and then number one it was like i think a quarter billion or something (laughs) users of excel and that was that was the number one language and i was like oh yeah i I didn't think of that uh anyway so thank you so much for taking the time if people want to keep up to date with the latest in verse or the latest things that you're working at uh where should people go twitter do you have a blog uh no so i have a homepage, which i you know so mainly i keep up to date my publications right that's what because i mainly i crank things out by write trying to write papers been a bit slow recently but there's a paper about verse there um there is uh i mean the the um uh, epic itself has a whole site for 
um, the the shipping verse product, and that has a community attached to it. So there'll be, and I hope that we may may eventually develop a, a community around the Maxverse stuff. But because it's a very small team at the moment, we haven't yet met, we haven't yet got a sort of open discussion going. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time, and hopefully we'll we'll run into each other at a few. I mean, you're going to be at Zurich. Uh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going straight from here to Zurich to a three day tutorial about the insides of GHC. You know, the bowels of GHC and it and its type checker. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but I enjoyed your talk about combinators as well. Yeah, uh, it was a, that was a lot of fun. And array languages. I'd I'd love to make. Uh, I was I was wanting to ask you about what you think about Remora. Um, my, my friend Erlen Shivers, and, and also how to turn, you know, what would it take? I, I, I sort of feel as if it ought to be possible to build a library in Haskell and then um, put some work into an implementation that would make Haskell a, a sort of um, like a host language for a really good array language, if you like. Because building whole new languages, however good they are, it's a big engineering exercise, right? Yeah. So if you can sort of kind of submarine something into a language that already exists and already is widely deployed. That can be another way. So I wanted to talk to you about that. Yeah, so uh, I've, I discovered at this conference, uh, someone pointed to me towards uh, Leonard's library, Orthotope, I believe. Orthotope, is. yeah. And uh, I, I had no idea that he had given a talk on it last year, and so I, I, got, I managed to talk to him a bit about it. And he said it's a little bit un, unwieldy in that there's three different types for however much static typing you need for, for your arbitrarily ranked arrays. But it does, did sound like he had done a little bit of work in that space. Yeah. And uh, it, it is... It is. I, I mean, we could. We could, This is going to turn into a whole, a whole hour conversation, so we should end it. But yeah, yeah. M- maybe at a, a future date and time, we'll we'll bring you onto the podcast, and we can do a whole uh, yeah. history of uh, Simon Payton Jones and and your thoughts on sort of the array language world and and yeah. you know the ideas there. I want. I want. I would like Haskell to be the world's best array language too. You know, because arrays it's fundamentally functional programming, isn't it? Yes. So, so you know, we just make it good. Um, make it yeah. good um, and we have the advantages we have our fingers on the implementation line. we want something from the type checker we can make it do that yeah. that is true it's, it's not it's not Haskell is by design a laboratory in which we explore and, and, and push the bleeding edge of what static typing means and maybe what performance means and um, what arrays mean I, I think so um, I don't want Haskell to be a static thing um, we're, we're, we're tussling with the tension between making it a stable base that companies can build on and rely on so that then, you know, they're not at a whim we change something that then gives them three weeks of fixing because their things fall down. So we have, to, we have to look after them, but also we still want it to be a laboratory for innovation. I think so far we're walking that line with care and some pain, but quite successfully, I think. This, is, uh, this just made me think that there is technically a few different implementations, quote-unquote, just you know, varying different extents in different languages. So there's a, a library slash language called April that's a April, APL implementation in common list. Uh-huh. I think there's another one called May, which is uh, an APL implementation in Clojure. Uh-huh. Then there's one in Julia. I don't think that one's right. called June, but it sounds like you well, know, yeah, you're should. hearing it here first from Simon that there should be an APL in Haskell. We should, yeah, I think there should. Yeah, maybe we should. But it takes some work, right? It takes cycles to make things good. Yeah. Um, and that means it takes some committed people to put the work in. Um, but it could be fun. Yeah. Um, we'll end it there. Thank you so much, Simon, for taking the time. And uh, we, we hope to run into you at a future conference. We will. Yeah, good. Thanks a lot. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Once again, thank you to all of the speakers, organizers, and attendees that agreed to be interviewed over the last two episodes. Be sure to check your show notes either in your podcast app or at adsptepodcast.com for any of the talks or things that we mentioned in either of these two episodes, as well as a link to a GitHub discussion where you can leave comments, questions, or thoughts on either of the episodes. 
Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed and have a great day.